A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he cannot keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 60 second. UHF 60 second. I know. Welcome back to, uh, <laughs> okay, all right, seriously, everybody, welcome back to UHF 60 second. This is the podcast where I introduce myself as a co-host. My name is David, and I also introduce my other co-host. <laughs> Jonathan Carlisle, I guess to introduce you, I actually have to introduce you. Jonathan. Whew. Yes, I made it. I don't know where I went, but I made it. You did. Did you introduce me already? Um, yes, I introduced you. Let me introduce what, what's, what the concept is, what the big idea is. This movie is a podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> this podcast is about a movie. This episode of this podcast is about 62 seconds of the movie uh uhf and uh this particular episode is about the particular 260 seconds that make up the 16th minute of this movie which is a lie because we're doing two more seconds than should be in a minute so it's not minute 16 i don't know what time it is this minute this episode is about a minute that begins with george taking a shock from an interocitor or an interocitor uh or an interocitor and uh ends with uh pamela finkelstein although we don't know that's her name uh saying that she was told her position was only going to be temporary so that kind of should uh, frame everybody out on on what exactly is happening in their ears right now as we're talking. Because this is a talking medium. Exactly. So I should I can put my Google glasses away because no one can see them. Well, nobody except for our our guest this episode. Okay, great. But uh, Philo is as at the end of the last episode hands George the terminals of the interocitor. And um, George asks what he's doing, and Philo says that he wants to see if his interocitor can withstand a sudden charge of 60,000. And we don't get... Thousand. Yeah, 60,000. Uh, and then at the beginning of this minute, we find out 60,000 what? 60,000 volts. Last episode, we also learned that uh, Jonathan, our intrepid co-host, is an electrician. Jonathan, as a professional electrician... Or somebody who holds the uh, <laughs> title of electrician or is licensed as an electrician or as somebody who knows what the word electrician means. Let me ask you this. <laughs> waiting waiting for your actual question is like waiting for the beat to drop in some of that dubstep music. <laughs> um But I I mean I'm dancing the whole time, but I'm just waiting for it. Yeah, well I'm, um, I'm dancing around actually asking you the question. Here is the question that I'm going to ask you right now. The question that we teased back in the last episode about the voltage. Now that we know that it is actually voltage that we're talking about is 60,000 volts. Are you going to feel that? Like if you shock me with 60,000 volts, <laughs> is that a lot? Because I've heard, because I've heard that it's more the amperage than the volts. Um, yes, in, in general, you would be correct. 
in believing that thing that someone else said. But uh, sorry, my my notes are all on Voltron. So perfect. I have sixty thousand Voltrons. Um, I think that would kill you. Wait, so Voltron is the uh, sixty thousand. So times five. That's a lot of lions. That would be like three hundred thousand. Holy cow! So three hundred thousand lions is gonna feel bad. Mm-hmm. What I did find out is that uh, the regular, uh, or regular, the standard taser, I guess, delivers fifty thousand volts. Sixty thousand volts, not not so bad, I guess. Actually, <laughs> sure, why not? Let's try it. Yeah, it is weird uh, going through electrical classes and having different people teach about this because I would say. The average electrician knows what they're doing, but they don't... I would say not everybody has the same grasp of the theory of electricity. I'm not downing electricians at all, but I'm just saying that everybody across the spectrum, like not just electricians, but everybody has, you know, different understandings of things. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it on UHS 62nd first. Electricity is relative. (laughs) Well, it kind of actually is. I've heard a lot of different uh, people trying to explain volts and amps and you know resistance, the basic building blocks of an electrical circuit um, in different ways. Uh, the most popular, though, is water. So volts is really just... Okay, so if someone says it's like water and they say it's like a river, what they normally say is that volts is like the slope of the river and the amperage is like the volume of water. So if you have this little tiny trickle, um, oh man, the, the voltage would be it's that, gonna, that difference. Go on and on and on about you know, this electricity stuff. And the amperage would be how much water is going over that. So if you really go for a Twinkie Wiener sandwich, a little drip. Yeah, I really love all the posts people have been posting and Tom talk about all their Twinkie Wiener sandwiches. Of course, if you have a raging waterfall, or if you have a raging river, that's... Why isn't there a longer director's cut of Waiting for Guffman? So the voltage is the potential. The voltage is the motivation. So the amperage is the volume. Yeah, the resistance is resistance. I think everybody understands what resistance is, right? Well, I stopped paying attention uh, after you started talking about the uh, something or other river because then all I was thinking about was the um, deleted song in Waiting for Guffman about this bulging river. But electricity is relative because that voltage, the potential voltage, is always in relation to what else the only reason it's dangerous is because you are at a different potential. If you touch that wire and you are grounded, that's why it's dangerous. If you were at the same potential as that hot wire, it's no problem. You'd technically can touch and let the charge wire. You know, like a hot wire, basically. As long as you're not touching anything else, nothing will happen to you you're not completing the circuit. Now, in this case, he's getting the arcs. You see those nice animated blue streaks across the screen? Mm-hmm. The arcs is just the the electrons like trying to use him as a, a pathway, but they have to literally cross that span. And it's blue because they're hot. Of course, it's not real, so it doesn't matter what color they made it, but but they make it blue because, you know, the, the white, blue, violet, probably, I guess would be the typical arc colors. So this all brings up a very important point. I'm glad that you you brought up about the hot wires because I always thought that C-3PO in Empire Strikes Back was just talking complete malarkey when he's covered in the wires from the Millennium Falcon and he says, help, I think I'm melting. Why would he think he's melting? He's covered in wires. But now that I know that there are hot wires, I understand 
you know, that he was in danger of, of melting down. So thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> Good. I'm glad glad somebody was listening. I always listen. I, I don't really often care that much, but I always listen. <laughs> Great. Oh, but I like when the shock starts, when the arcs start happening. I love Terry's. She just like jumps out of frame. She's gone. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I, but as soon as they're done, she is like immediately. As soon as it cuts back to George, like she's right back there. No, well, she's yeah, she's checking out to make sure he's okay. What I figured she's probably doing. Maybe Terry has some like real world electrical knowledge. Um, what we were always taught as electricians working together, if someone's working in a in a environment or situation where it could be dangerous, if someone were to be shocked and they were being actively shocked, meaning that they were like stuck and they couldn't get off then you were to assist them. But the easiest thing on a construction site that they would always talk about is just look for a two by four because wood is not very electrically conducive. So we would always joke about just punching each other with a two by four. So she's like jumping off screen because she's like, I know I saw a piece of wood around here somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Those pallets outside. Yeah, oh yeah. Break it down <laughs> and then, you know, get the nails out. <laughs> In that shot too of George uh, being electrocuted, um, or having the voltage pass through or whatever the proper phrase is. Oh, I should say, I'm going back to the electrical. The reason why y'all think that it's electricity is dangerous is because the reason why 60,000 volts and 50,000 volts that, you know, like, like you said, they make changes. So obviously they're using it, but they don't kill people. It's just because of the way the voltage affects our body and because those are, like, short periods. Uh, with the, the voltage that we actually have, every time those are closer to what affects our heart, not our heart rate, but the frequency, I guess, of our, our bodies and stuff. That affects our heart more than the 50,000 volts would. So you can actually stop someone's heart with your house voltage. That's why it's so dangerous. And George uh, still has his uh, Burger World shirt on, work shirt on. So this just a reminder to everybody, this is all so far... Uh, happening on the same day. Um, what if he just doesn't have any other clothes? <laughs> it well, doesn't have to be the same day, right? I think so, because we've gone from thing to thing to thing. Plus, he does have other clothes. We're going to see here in just a few seconds that he's got other clothes. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, that would be weird. That would be really weird if somehow like that was, those were the only clothes that he had Like when he showed up to apply for the Burger World job. He like, showed up already <laughs> in the uniform. <laughs> Oh, my friend just gave me these. Yeah. Okay. Great. Which probably did happen because, as we probably as we figured out, uh, you know, we think um, Bob got him the job there, so he probably yeah, all his clothes went missing one day, and he just grabbed one of Bob's work uniforms. Now they share an apartment together. What if George's side is just that huge messy side, and maybe he has other clothes, but they're just like all over the place, and Bob's side is. Like, like if you go to Bob's closet, he just has a ton of clothes. He has all the uniforms you would need. He's got you know, all the suits and, I don't know, maybe he's got a turnstile in there. <laughs> turnstile. Maybe so. Do you say turnstile or turn? No, no, never mind. That was last minute. I, I like Tony Greer's delivery of the, yeah, it works. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. And I, I really like, I don't know if it was intentional. Uh, I don't know that I even want to know if it was intentional, but... The um, there's a really wonderful at the end of that line. Yeah, it works. Um, the score comes back in again by uh, this wonderful score by Jean Dupré. <laughs> <laughs> 
it kind of comes in with like this finger snap kind of, but like kind of like a crunchy, I don't know what all it is. I think there's a couple sounds going on there when that score comes back in, but there's like a finger snap and like a sort of like a crunch, but also kind of like a brush on a snare or something. Maybe a crackle. Yeah. Like a crackle. Yeah. But it also, um, syncs up almost exactly with, um, I just always imagine this, uh, you know, Philo's got the two ends, the two terminals of the interocitor in his hands and I always imagine like that sound, he's like clicking them off or shutting them down or something, even though I know that that's part of the score. I don't know. Have you ever... No, I know uh, what you're saying. Maybe Philo has more to do with uh, this movie than what we think we, he does. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's like, maybe he's initiating the score radio, which progresses the movie, the plot onto the next thing. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, so suddenly it is the next day all of a sudden. So I think, uh, in, especially in this movie, it's PG, PG-13? PG. PG. Sure it's PG. PG. Right? Yeah. Now, do you say PG? Huh? Do you say PG? Do you say PG or Piggy? I say PG. And it sounded like you were okay. saying PG. This movie is PG. Um, that's a little pitchy. Yeah, so Terry and George. He just got a shock. Does Terry just take him home? And dump him at his apartment and just like, I'll see you later. Well, George drove there. It's George's Nash. So you think she can't drive or? Well, I, I don't know. I just, it's his car unless, unless he, unless that's Terry's car and he was borrowing it from her to drive he and Bob back from uh, Burger World back to his apartment. I mean, don't we think that's George's car? I mean, I guess we did yeah. find out that um, yeah, but it's I, actually I don't see why, they, why he couldn't uh, uh, Terry's why uncle. Why she couldn't drive it if if he was incapacitated? Oh, you're saying from the oh well, I I don't know that he's was incapacitated. He seemed like he was still uh, alert, very much so. His eyes were wide open at the end of that shock. You know, even if he was like kind of stuck in that position, his hands are kind of at like two and ten already. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know that didn't ever occur to me, but we did establish that you know it's Terry's uncle and. We had thought previously that it was George's uncle, so everybody thought it was George's car. Maybe it's Terry's car. Maybe maybe we just don't know this movie like we thought we did. Mm-hmm. 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 Since we've already had so many uh, electrical teachings and, you know, the more you know, then uh, I just can't go without saying that 10 and 2 was what we were always taught. Uh, we did a safety meeting one time, and the guy said, because of the prevalence of airbags, it's actually safer to be more at like 8 and 4 or 7 and 5, something like that. Because then when the airbag deploys, it doesn't push your hands out into your face or anything like that. Like your hands are already down. Mm-hmm. Just a little little less face damage for our listeners. Well, I only drive with the thumb on my of my left hand so i think i'll probably be uh won't have any problem with the airbag can you take your thumb off your left hand can i take my do what with my thumb you said you only drive with your thumb on your left hand and i was wondering can you take it off no well can i take it off the steering wheel yeah but then i wouldn't have anything Uh that's the the thumb on my left hand is the only thing touching the steering wheel i thought you had a removable thumb and you had to put it on so you could drive no like i take my thumb off hold my thumb in my hand and press the thumb against the steering wheel that's not what i thought but that works too that may be that may be how uh, the shop teacher drives possibly because we know he has a detachable thumb (laughs) (laughs) uh We've got a lot of good things to look forward to. Um, so I got to talk a little bit actually more about it. So we get some really kind of nice score here. I want to go back to the score a little bit by John DePlay. Uh He did, uh, Weird Al did say that that is his voice doing the 
the doo wops and the doo doo wooies um, in the score right there in the section where it kind of transitions to the next day with the tower in the sky. So that is Weird Al doing the vocals right there, but it is John Dupree's score. I can't remember where I came across this. Oh, it was in the commentary, I guess. Uh, Weird Al had mentioned that originally Wendy Carlos was uh, slated to do the score for this film, which blew my mind. Even though I've listened to the commentary a couple times when I was prepping for this minute, somehow I hadn't really caught that previously, which kind of brought into relief uh, something that I had seen. When you and I went and saw Weird Al on the ill-advised, ridiculously self-indulgent vanity tour, at the merch table they had a, a vinyl record, an LP, of Peter and the Wolf by Weird Al. Oh. And it was very, very yes. expensive um, because I think it's out of print uh, or uh, somehow rare. And so I, I was irritated because I was glad they had a record. And then I saw how much it was and that it was uh, Peter and the Wolf. And I was like, what in the world? I guess I didn't look was at it, it closely 60, enough. 60,000 volts worth of money? Uh, it was 1.1 gigawatts of dollars. And uh, yeah. I think it was, I think it was like sixty dollars for this record, or maybe eighty five dollars. I don't remember. Anyways, or sixty two dollars. I it could have been. I don't think it was. It probably should have been. Somebody missed an opportunity, uh, and I guess I missed the opportunity to purchase it because this it, it was Weird Al's um, doing Peter and the Wolf with Wendy Carlos, which again blows my mind. So Wendy Carlos was a pioneer. Um, in the synthesizer realm with uh, popularizing the Moog and, and other kinds of synthesizers like that. And also, I don't know, this is just like a weird gaping hole in my knowledge of Weird Al. It boggles my mind that that album came to pass, the Peter and the Wolf album with Wendy Carlos and Weird Al. It was nominated for a Grammy in 1988 for Best Children's Album. And they they wrote a new character for Peter and the Wolf. So it's kind of like a parody, or not a parody, but kind of like a lampooning of Peter and the Wolf. They wrote a new character into the story, which is a janitor with the name of Bob. So kind of like some elements from this movie, but mixed up a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. Wendy Carlos, um, people may know from... Uh, the 1968 album Switched on Bach, which is an album that I have had since I was a kid because my dad had it and I really like it a lot. Other people may know Wendy Carlos from the Clockwork Orange soundtrack and from the Tron soundtrack. Um, so like kind of a big deal that Wendy Carlos was going to do this album and then strangely did not do this album. Hmm. Kind of a little tangent there. I decided to go that. with the guy who was uh, about to do the TMNT movie. John Dupin. So that's all I have at this point about uh, the score. Great. I have, uh, as they <laughs> walk into this office, I have, <laughs> we're just not listening to each other. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> as they walk into this office, there is a big old picture in the background. Mm-hmm. That picture is actually of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If you actually search 1950s Tulsa, you will see a, not the same exact picture, but the, if you search the, the entire city of up, Tulsa. The entire city. You will 1950s. find a picture also, of the city. Yes, there is a aerial view that's almost the same angle as that one in the in the movie. So I was like, oh, boom, easy. Uh, I was kind of actually expecting that maybe it would be a different city, and we would have to do some crazy searching to find out where 
where this place actually is supposed to be. Not, I think not the case. I think it's just Tulsa. I think they're just owning it. This is, this is Tulsa. Mm-hmm. There are two sconces, I think that's the right word, um, on either side of that picture, which are like, to me, seem like they are outdoor lights. They seem very bizarre. I never really noticed them before this, preparing for this minute, but um, yeah, those yeah. do not belong there. I mean, you can put them inside. Obviously, they did, but I'm actually confused about this door this door has a knob in the middle so going off of where the wall is actually i don't know where they're walking into because the door that with the knob in the middle that we saw before they walked right into philo's lab and now they're using what my brain was saying was the same door and like no they're going into a different room now Hmm. but that looks like an outside because there's a window right there yeah well i mean in actuality it's a sound stage childhood ruined yeah <laughs> but uh, it's not a very good sound stage because that door is about to fall off yeah i was just gonna say yeah it looks like it only actually has one um hinge that's uh, actually affixed <laughs> yeah they were like well only the top hinge is gonna be in the frame so don't worry about the bottom one <laughs> yeah it's actually cut off like there is no door below where, where you can see with the camera <laughs> it's like, like the wearing like, the opposite of uh, shorts or something yeah. so the door's all cut off at the bottom too uh, that's uh, kind of like an urgent urban or an urgent urban myth um <laughs> did you hear that did you hear? <laughs> did you hear about star wars episode one or was it episode two no it must have been episode one didn't he have build george lucas build all the sets to six foot or whatever and then he cast um liam neeson who was taller than that so they had to like rebuild all the sets taller so it's like that. I did not hear that one. Actually. Oh, really? Oh, or if I, I thought did, that I've was. Forgotten it. Yeah. So I, I like to re. I like to learn things and relearn things. So I like to forget things so I can relearn. Them. <laughs> well, I think we have the same thing going on here, except for in reverse. Oh, okay. So you like to forget things? Oh, the uh, set is in reverse. Oh. So what they did was they found out they Liam Neeson's shoe size, and then made the set accordingly, so that none of his shoes would fit in the set. So it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> on this set, on UHF. Yes. Yeah. Well, not on Star Wars. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are, What are we talking about? <laughs> we We don't meet Liam Neeson here, but we do meet somebody in this office. Yes. Do you want to introduce this one? Well, you, yeah. So I kind of I said the character's name at the beginning of the minute, but we don't learn her name in this minute. But it's uh, the actress uh, or the actor is Fran Drucia. <laughs> People may recognize her from Saturday Night Fever, I guess was a, a thing that she I had early on. I, I've never I seen Saturday know. Night. Yeah, I, I've never, I haven't seen that. I have not seen it either. Actually, I, prep, uh, prep, 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 prep. you say prepping, <laughs> pre- preparing or preparing? Yeah. So preparing for this with my notes. Uh, I watched the most Saturday Night Fever I've ever watched in my entire life on YouTube clips looking for Fran Drescher. And I'll say, based on those clips, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go watch it. I like the, the I watched the most Saturday Night Fever. I like that just made me think of Saturday Night Fever as like a quantity. I watched <laughs> I watched the most. Would you like some Saturday Night Fever, sir? Yeah. Oh, how just, how much Saturday Night Fever would you like? Because boy, howdy, uh, we've got quite a lot. <laughs> we have too much, sir. Also, the nanny. She had a television show called The Nanny. She had a television show called Beautician in the in the <laughs> bees. Um, and also, of course, uh, she had a a very brief, uh, or not not very brief, but a small 
smaller role in uh, This Is Spinal Tap as uh, yes. Bobby Fleckman. Small role, big personality. Hmm? What's that? Hmm? Hmm? What? I-, I said a small role, big personality. Small role, big personality. Much like this film, although the role is not quite so small and the personality is still quite large. I always thought that when they walked in here, when she's facing away from them in her chair, I always thought that she was wearing like a, I don't know what the right uh, word is, like a halter top or something. I always thought that she was uh, like a, had a bare midriff, which always seemed kind of, really? You thought this as well? I concur. Yes. Yeah. But obviously it is a large pink belt. Yeah, because how could you make how could you make it any larger in the eighties? Yeah, so they took Liam Neeson's it, shoe size, and that was the length of the belt. And I'm not talking about circumferentially, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about up and down <laughs> because I I don't know. Oh, that. he has really small feet. <laughs> what? I mean, the the belt's a big belt, but it's yeah. Wouldn't that be a big? Oh, no, you're right. They <laughs> have small feet. I thought it, it seems so much larger to me, but then when I think about a foot on the back of uh, Fran Drescher. <laughs> anyway, so we have Fran Drescher. And, and I love that, I love that when we are introduced to her by very staccato typing. And normally you, you hear like a ding. Yeah. You just hear. Actually, the subtitles say the typewriter typing or whatever it says. And it only says that like one time and then the subtitle goes away and it doesn't even bother to come back for the other ones. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you could almost say that that's not very much Saturday Night Fever of typing. Yeah, that's just a, a little uh, set knife Satinafi. Dude, the earrings, the eyeshadow, it's awesome. Again, like who else? There's nobody else that is. So the character's name, I gave it away. So this is Pamela Finkelstein. <laughs> now you're worried about spoilers. Yeah, I know. Dude, she's just Pamela Finkelstein. Like when, when I can't remember if I saw like commercials for. I don't remember if it was the nanny or if it was uh, Beautician and the Beast when that came out. But I just remember being disappointed in this person. Like, why would she do some other project? Like, like UHF made her so much money that she's. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I was still probably like a teenage, maybe in my late teens when those shows were coming out. And um, I just, yeah, I just, because nobody, I'd never seen anybody else in this movie and anything else, you know, Weird Al was never in another movie to my knowledge. And um, the guy who plays Philo obviously uh, didn't know anything about General Hospital and all, like all these people weren't in anything else. And so I was like, why did she. Well. Bob was in Labyrinth, but that was that's little known. Yep. So, do you pronounce that last name? Do you do you say Bo or do you say Bowie? Bowie. Okay. Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah, he was in Labyrinth, but she kind of like let the team down by appearing in something else because it destroyed the illusion that UHF was a thing. You know, when she was in something else, and it's like, oh well, she's an actor because she's in several projects. She's not actually Pamela Finkelstein, and it was like I really felt let down by her and so i never watched any of her shows i have a feeling that uh when the nanny was popular on television that there was probably a lot of fans of that show that didn't even know uhf existed and i think that was probably weird for me to watch her who yes this is all i ever knew her from at that time and then uh yeah yeah you'd see that and i was like well this is not the same thing and i feel like i'm in a uh crowded room but i'm alone uh 
David Bowie's tie is ginormous. Tie is ginormous. Tie? What? Say that again. <laughs> that again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, yeah, she launches into these guys. I love George's face, the eye gag and everything. It's amazing. So I like that that last minute we had a female doing her, ah! and then this minute we get a female doing her, <laughs> or that that didn't sound like her doing it, but you know what I mean. I wish they. I kind of want to take that audio and put it into the movie now, though, because that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> is that a singing in the rain that we're getting into now yeah i thought we could take our own audio and put it in the movie pretty soon but we're yeah. going to be editing uh sabotage into this <laughs> sabotage into uhf uh that i don't even know how that what that would look like but maybe maybe somebody will show us what that looks like there is some sabotage in this movie later on that's, that's true that's true there's i would even say there's 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 some saturday night fever worth of sabotage in here whoa yep how much saturday night fever like a two Travolta's worth. Oh, oh, whoa. Is that a lot? How much is a Travolta? How much Travolta can you get into a Saturday Night Fever is my question well, to you. He was, pretty, he, was, he was pretty slim back then. Okay. So there's not a lot of Travolta in Travolta unless you're talking, you know, again, you're talking about small roles, big personalities. Then you're talking about a lot of Travolta. Well, I always want to be talking about a lot of Travolta. Yeah. Speaking of, this is a total side trip, but uh, when I was a young kid reading Garfield comics, John Arbuckle's mom, I think it is. Her name was Alada uh, Travolta. Her, <laughs> She wanted to be a Travolta. She would make comments about John Travolta's chest hair, and I didn't even really know. I, I feel like I knew who John Travolta was. but This is some deep dive Garfield. I don't even remember John having a mom. I think you were having a fever dream, dude. Maybe a Saturday night fever dream. No, no. <laughs> I'm having a a lot of Saturday night fever. I'm having a, a <laughs> Wait, what? fever dream. Ay, ay, ay. Um, I think we better uh, um, start wrapping things up because it's going to get uh, stuff is going to happen here. Oh, uh, going stuff back, yeah, stuff is going to happen. Going back just a little bit when they're walking up to the studio uh, or to the station. George talks about working at a fish market, which I thought was odd, given the fact that we know that in the last month he's worked at uh, Floyd's Fish Market. So apparently something there stuck with him. Well, at least he knows that when you work at a fish market, you have to clean and gut fish all day. Although I would wonder if Bob perhaps made his way up into management like he did at Burger World. I'm guessing George was the one that had to clean and gut fish all day and Bob was so when when George said that to Bob, Bob was probably like, Well, I didn't really have to do that either. So Well I think what I actually like all joking aside, I think what he means like for serious, I think what he means, you know, he's like, it's just like working at the fish market except for you don't have to clean and gut fish all day. You know, he could have easily just said like, oh it's just like working at Burger World except for you don't have to flip burgers all day because he wasn't flipping burgers there and he wasn't cutting and gutting fish at the fish market, what he was doing was standing around imagining, and that is actually what he's going to do at the station, is he's just going to sit around and imagine things, and then they're going to happen. Wow. Breaking it down. I like it. That I just gave you guys a set, that, a full Saturday Night Fever worth of evaluation. That, that was, I'm full. <laughs> I'm going to have to give you my keys. No more for me. All right. Well, let's uh, put the carrot in on this episode, I guess. <laughs> Sorry for that burst. I think I just popped my earphones off and everything when I did that. So. <laughs> what? I, 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 you got me with that comment. All right. Uh, listeners, 
Let us know how much Saturday Night Fever you have for this episode at Stanley's, but no, at Town, I don't know. Go on Facebook, Town Talk. That's what it is. Town, town Talk. Now you say, you're you saying Town Talk. Yes. And I would say Town Talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hyphen or no? I don't I can't know. hear your hyphens. It's on Facebook. Go there, people. Find out. Or just go to uhs60second.com, and I think all the links are on there. And you, you can see some other stuff, too. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff on there, actually. Like, a lot of cool stuff. Some of it doesn't even have anything to do with this place. And by this place, I mean this podcast that is placed in your ears right now. Check out our MySpace. Also, uh, do not review us. And come back uh, for the next episode where we will probably talk about Minute 17. Let me be your hog! Let me be your hog now! I said, baby, 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 ba